spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. 6.07 on your Saturday morning. Hey, welcome to WSB. Glad you're listening. If you're holding over from O'Neill Outdoors, glad you're here. Ashley Frasca hosting Green and Growing for the next three hours. And I'm with the birthday boy, DeMarco, who I can't see right now because there's a computer monitor in my way. Hold on. There we go. Happy birthday. Thank you, Ashley. I couldn't wait to embarrass you. Oh, well, you know what? I, I, I'd rather <laughs> spend my birthday here than, um, you know, out somewhere else. You know, on a Saturday morning, there's Saturday mornings, like it. it's, they're meant for me to be here at WSB with you guys. I would agree. And I can't you and be anywhere I, else. We've been at WSB about the same amount of time, you yeah, and it's I. It's been a long time. 2009 yeah. was me. I've been there 10 years, yeah. Yeah. Well, 11 yeah. years now. <laughs> See, we're rocking it. And to hold me accountable, not that I have any doubt, but I'm going to do this. DeMarco's very healthy and very fit and teaches a fitness class, like a cardio jam. If you listen to the Mark Aram show, yeah. that's jazzercise. So we put it all together. Same guy. And so I have this really fattening recipe for hash brown casserole. And I would say it's world famous, but that's being a little over the top. So I'm going to say building famous. It's famous around here. And oh, if, yeah. if the world had a taste of it, they'd mm. love it too. Oh, thanks. Oh, yeah. All right. I mean, in this building, it's very important. Like oh, yes. Channel 2 people have had it. Radio people have had it. The music stations over at B98 and the river fight over it. <laughs> so um, I have promised to Marco a hash brown casserole next Saturday. Because we're going to wait yes. till we're all back together. And we are going to be indulging in my hash brown casserole. I love it. And I can't wait. So do you think I should put the recipe on the Facebook page? You know what? I think everybody would love it. Yeah. I, and I know I would because I tried to make your famous casserole oh, for my family and, and I fell miserably. <laughs> and I just found out today that I missed one of the key ingredients and mm-hmm. that's why I, I failed. So if I had it on the Facebook page and I can go and refer to that, Easy it would have been perfect. And yes. your family's going to be like, oh, don't make that again. And you're like, no, no, no. I got to write this No, time. no. This time. <laughs> So it's a knockoff of the Cracker Barrel hash brown casserole recipe. Um, and it, it to me, it's not even the same. It's just a totally different level. But it still totally does the job. It's delicious, yes. Thanks. All right. That's yes. what I'm going to do. In honor of DeMarco's, <laughs> I'm going to say 28th birthday. How about that? 20 28 sounds young so man. long ago, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, wait. You've been working here 10, 11 years now? Okay. Yeah. Ooh. The math's not right, but we'll just leave it alone. Um, in honor of DeMarco's birthday, I will post that recipe because you guys are going to love it. Everybody at WSB loves it. Um, it's just a very simple breakfast hash brown casserole that is so easy and when I make it for everybody at work which I try to do at least quarterly maybe four times a year maybe five depending on the occasions 
um, I'll prepare it the night before and not bake it. You know, just put it in the 9 by 13 dish, cover it with foil, put it in the fridge the night before. And then when I get up at some god-awful hour, 3, 3.30 in the morning, then I put it in the oven while I'm showering, while I'm getting dressed, bake it and do all that. And then I bring it into the radio station and it's piping hot and ready for everybody at 5 a.m. So I think that's what I'm going to do next Saturday. You all can call, of course, about anything gardening related. But hey, if you grow something in the garden... And then you use it in a recipe. I could hear that too. 404-872-0750. So on the show today, going to be talking a little bit about uh, something that may be on your trees with all of the rain we've been having, but no need to be alarmed. Uh, identifying weeds, because that seems to be very important this time of year. Grand opening of a new garden destination that I want to share with you, and I am soon to experience myself. And an interview that I think I teased last Saturday, and I'm like, a special guest. I kept it unidentified. Well, if you're following me on Facebook, you search Green and Growing WSB, you have just now seen that it is Dr. Alan Armitage. Uh, I say world-renowned horticulturalist and so many other things. My goodness, author, uh, speaker, former professor at the University of Georgia, huge for the College of Ag over there, um, retired now, but still very active in the Athens community. And he's going to join us in just a little while this morning and promoting an exciting garden opportunity for those in the Athens area, too. So you'll want to be dressed and be ready to hit the road and, and be in Athens by about 10. I'll just I'll just give you that. Uh, 404-872-0750. So speaking of the weeds, oh, my gosh. My friend, this is funny, that she said, Oh, just make islands in, in the yard, they said. Fill them with pine straw, they said. No more weeds, they promised. Well, I just raked out and pulled four buckets of this particular weed out of my pine straw islands over the weekend. Uh, and what she's talking about, I have a ton of it too. Catchweed bed straw. Catchweed bed straw is a really interesting one. Very leggy, long, stemmy, light green weed with tiny little leaves on each side of the stem. And when you go to reach for it with your garden glove, it sticks to your garden glove. It's very sticky. Um, Not like prickly, you know, with thorns, but very sticky. Uh, Hairs on the upper leaf surface get stuck to your gloves, noticeable as a large, bright green, leggy clump. And really, I'm pulling it out too. I mean, from one little root, four or five stems emerge. So once you pull the base of the plant, you've gotten a whole big clump of it, and instantly that area looks much improved. Um, my husband was out there last weekend spraying with Roundup, which I don't really think this needs it. This is easy just to pull out by the clump. It's not going to come back. The hotter it gets, it is going to go away. I'm just reducing that in the landscape. At rowing, uh, mowing at a regular height. That's going to be enough to kind of keep this catchweed bed straw in check. So if that sounds a little bit like something you're experiencing, you may want to check out the Facebook page. And also dead nettle, dead nettle and henbit are very similar weeds right now that have green, felty, you know, soft looking fuzzy leaves, but they also um, blend into a little bit of purple on the leaf. And the flowers themselves, the flowers on the stalks are a light purple as well. And you'll see the bees kind of crowding to this little plant, this little weed. So to tell the difference between dead nettle and henbit, again, you'll want to go to my Facebook page because when you go under photos and look under albums, weed of the week, that is such a popular photo album, gets more views than anything this time of year. Go to photos, go to albums and weed of the week. And then right there, I've taken all of those pictures, sad to say, 
in my own landscape and a close-up of the weeds and then how to treat them. And that's really going to help you know. You know, I know you have the plant apps and things, the identification apps that'll let you know what you've got. But sometimes it just can't tell. You know, if you're trying to take a picture of a green weed up against the green grass, well, your smartphone is not smart enough (laughs) to decipher what exactly it is you're trying to photograph. So I've done that for you. Posted most of the weeds I see this time of year. I'm sure there are many, many more that my yard doesn't have, and I'm okay with that. But as you send me some, too, I'll add them to the Facebook page. And again, weed identification and how to treat it as well. It's worth a look. It's worth a look on the Facebook page. Just search Green and Growing WSB. We'll get right out to the phones this morning. 404-872-0750. Say good morning to Tommy calling from Coming. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Ashley. It's Tony, not Tommy, but that's okay. Oh, all right, Tony. That's what it is. That's what we're going to be calling you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. Uh I have two large, mature um, gardenia bushes in the front of my house, and and they were severely hit by the freeze in December. And, you know, usually by now they've started branching out with green leaves and stuff, but I only have a few on there. Uh, But if I bend the the, uh, tips of the plant back, they're still green inside. Should I trim this back and let it grow back, or should I just leave it alone and let it recover on its own? I don't want to shock the plant. Yeah. But I really don't, I don't know whether I should just go ahead and cut it back and let it recover or leave it alone. Um, that's really good, because step number one, what I was going to say before you said it for me, is, yeah, bending those limbs and making sure, I mean, if they're just brittle and they break, and most folks that have called me about the freeze damage, that is not the case. So even though the air temperature got cold enough back in December and the two freezes in March to really zap the plant, it still was not a sustainable cold to really affect the roots. So most of these plants are still alive. The roots are still hanging in there. That's why you see new growth. So at this point, Tommy, I would say it's up to you because generally we advise to trim gardenias after they're finished flowering. And there are some varieties out there that flower twice a year. Um, but in your case, if it's just stemmy and it's putting on new growth really, really slow, if you take back some of those limbs that are just, you know, tall and bare, that actually will reserve some energy for the plant that the plant can then focus more on the new growth at the base. So at this point, it wouldn't hurt. Um, but if you don't prune it, that's okay, too. It's still just going to be really slow to catch up. And a friend of mine had a question about her hydrangea. Same exact thing. I mean, it may not flower this year because it's too busy playing catch up, but nonetheless, not dead not worth pulling up out of the ground. So your personal preference, really. Now, what I have told people, though, as the plant is kind of struggling, um, I wouldn't go real crazy with fertilizer just yet, you know. That was my next question. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because it's already kind of in a stressed state because it knows it's a little behind um, in, in the growth stage that it should be at. So fertilizer, you would think, is going to help it, but really that might shock it just a little bit as it's already under a little bit of stress. The last thing we want to do to a stressed plant is add fertilizer. So as it's leafing out a little more and becoming a little more vigorous, at that point I would. I would go ahead and do fertilizer, but not you know any strong application. Just read the label, right. do exactly the amounts that it says, and it, it will. I bet by you know mid to end of summer it'll catch up. Great. All right. Well, I appreciate your your advice, and uh, I think I'll just go ahead and trim the tips back just a little bit, maybe three or four inches, and and not cut it back severely and then 
we'll just let it let it uh, do its thing. Yeah, no, I think that sounds very good. Well, Tony, thank you so much for calling this morning. Right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ashley. All Have right. a great day. You too. Have a great Saturday. Start with some coffee, get your fuel, get your energy going, and then get out there in the landscape. You know, we have one good day. I mean, it rained Thursday afternoon and yesterday morning. Today is going to be the great day. And then tennis match has already rained out for tomorrow. That I know to be the case. And anybody else playing Alta, uh, you're probably rescheduling your matches for today. You just never know. Rain all the time. 404-872-0750. A check of traffic. And when we come back, the top three things to do in the landscape this weekend or this week, if you don't have time this weekend, stay tuned. It's 95.5 WSB. In for Christina Edwards is Chief Meteorologist Brad Nitz from Channel 2 Action News with a forecast for today. Partly cloudy, warm and humid, a high of 81, so it's going to be pretty pleasant today. And then scattered showers and storms move back in tomorrow, a high of 76 and a low of 47. And that kind of continues the lows of the trend of the upcoming week. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. All right. How about we get started with number one, one of the most, uh, one of the biggest things I'm most excited about, plant vegetables in the garden. It is safe to plant tomatoes, squash, eggplant, and more. Looking at the highs for this week, they're going to stay in the mid to upper 70s, if not topping around 80. So it is a good time for the summer vegetables to go in the garden. If you've been babying them from seed, though, and you've got the seedlings, you've got the little plants, you have to make sure you don't skip that stage of hardening them off, right? They can't just go from inside your house, under the lights, to out in the garden. Uh, Trust me, I learned the hard way. I left them out on the back deck one hour too long, and the leaves of the tomato plants got a little bit of sun scald, so they've lost a little bit of that green color. I think they're going to bounce back, though, but you really have to do that hardening off for a week or two, bringing them outside, slowly introducing them to the sunshine, the wind, maybe even a little bit of rain if they're under an umbrella or under a covered spot. Um, and then they'll be ready for the garden. And you can plant tomato plants, too. A lot of my coworkers didn't know this when I'm sharing these tomato plants with them. When you go to plant the tomatoes, you don't have to plant them just to the soil level that they're in, uh, in the pot that they're coming in. You can actually bury them in the dirt up to the bottom first set of leaves. Like You're like, oh, wow, I'm putting a lot of the stem underground. And yeah. Yeah, you absolutely can because the hairs on the stem of the tomato plant all become roots. So that just makes for a deeper root system for the tomatoes. Ha if you didn't know that, now you know. Uh, number two, fertilized perennials that are starting to pop up. Peonies are looking great. Dianthus, sweet William. Um, astilbe, my astilbe are coming back from last year and they're going to be looking pretty good here soon. We're also beginning to see canna lilies and elephant ears. Amaryllis are starting to emerge, all of those, if you love the bulbs, tubers, rhizomes in the ground over the winter. And number three, mow the lawn regularly and at recommended height to eliminate most weeds and to get your turf off to a good start. So I've noticed a lot of my neighbors already starting to mow that Bermuda lawn. It's coming out of dormancy. Some of it's still 50-50, depending on how much sun it's getting, 50% brown and 50% green. But as these warm season grasses like that and centipede and zoysia start to green up, you're getting into that routine of mowing about every seven days. Uh, If a lot of rain, you may need to bump that to about every six days just to make sure you get enough of the, uh, the new grass blade off of there. Keep it Keep it at a really good height. And you know what? I'll throw in a number four because we have time. We have about 40 seconds. Uh, Aphids. You may see aphids clustering on tender new growth of a lot of different plants that you've got out there. They're pear-shaped. 
pinhead sized, really small. They come in a variety of colors and that's just the life cycle stage that they're at. You can probably wash them off with a hard stream of water from the hose. I mean, it's really that simple. If they keep coming back though, if you really are starting to see a decline in the plants and that's the only thing you notice, insecticides also control them effectively and there's a couple of different organic types of insecticide if you want to go that route. 404-872-0750. We'll be right back. Good morning. It's green and growing on WSP. Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. On 95.5 WSB. Rolling into the show here with you until 9 o'clock this morning. Good morning. Hope you have your coffee and your breakfast and you are ready to go, ready for a beautiful day. It's Ashley Frasca on Green and Growing on 95.5 WSB. And if you're hitting the roads, of course, we're on in your car, streaming on your cell phone using the free WSB radio app. And you can listen back to the show anytime if you tune in right after 9 and the show's over. Give me a little bit of time. I got to go home and upload it as a podcast, make a few little edits and things. Uh, But on WSBradio.com and you click on demand, you can listen back to all of our shows there, essentially commercial free. Um, And also on all of the streaming platforms, too. You can find the show on Google Play, Spotify, Apple's version of whatever that is. So a lot of fun. Easy to find me. 404-872-0750. Want to take your calls this morning and coming up at seven o'clock, Dr. Alan Armitage calls in. Love to talk to him. No one knows more about plants and flowers and the way they function in the garden than Dr. A from the University of Georgia, uh, Professor Emeritus there, author. You can find all of his books. I, his perennial book is, that's a staple. You've got to have that. It's actually by my bed. <laughs> it's actually on my nightstand. Um, all of those books at alanarmitage.net, and he spells it A-L-L-A-N, A-L-L-A-N, armitage.net. And when you go to order some books, if you're looking to do that, maybe thinking ahead for Mother's Day or just for yourself, um, there's also a cut flower book that is a Bible for a lot of folks that do cut flower gardens. Um, if you're looking to do any of that in the discount code box, type my name, Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, type my name, Ashley, and Dr. Uh, Armitage has said that he will give you free shipping with that discount code. So how about that? Saving you a little bit of money. Uh, back out to the phones we go, North Fulton County, and it's Susan calling from Roswell. Hey, good morning, Susan. Good morning, Ashley. Thanks for taking my call. Of course. What's going on? Uh, I have this one area of the emerald green zoysia grass. It's not a big area, but, uh, oh, this week it started looking terrible. I mean, I think like a fourth of it looks dead. Hmm. And um, my son-in-law seems to think it's winter kill, but my other zoysia areas, you know, don't have that. Uh, They're not the emerald green. This grass tends to want to stay, you know, underneath a little bit green in the winter for some reason. It just does. So he thinks it got winter killed because of that. But I don't know. None of my other zoysias got that. Yeah. And I mean, you're in North Fulton. So if you were maybe in, you know, 
higher elevations, a little more North Georgia, I'd be concerned with that. But the zoysia is not going to grow real vigorous closer to the mountains. Um, I hadn't heard of that. You know, we had Clint Waltz in here from the University of Georgia, the turf grass specialist, just a few weeks ago. And he really never remarked on any winter damage that he had seen, you know, not even prevalent throughout metro Atlanta. Um, Any of the brown spots or the spots that aren't greening up, is there any kind of pattern or shape to them or it's just kind of here and there and everywhere? Um. When it started, it's it made a big, uh, not a small area, a big semicircle. But I mean, it was a big area of it. You know, not little patches with little areas. Okay, I'm looking up spring dieback. I think that's what it's called. Um, because there's there's something that I spoke with uh, Mark Hope and the golf course superintendent Clint and I went out to visit him at Rivermont, and that's kind of you know somewhat in your area, but. They were talking about um, a fungus that overwinters and, you know, you have it in the fall, but you don't know it because the grass is going dormant and it overwinters throughout the entire winter. And then as you see spring green up, that's when you notice that you've got the dieback. I need to do a little bit more research on that. But two, the fact that you said kind of a semicircle, I'm making sure that it's not going to be, it may be too early for some of those uh, diseases, though, that, you know, strike us when we have the high humidity. You have to have all the conditions right for the ones I'm thinking of with the high humidity and the moisture and all the heat. Uh, so it's a little early for some of those. But a lot of the ones that have patterns would come on later. Let me do a little bit more research from about the dieback, Susan, because that okay. could very well be what it is. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to put you on hold and get your email address And I may reach out to Clint and Mark as well, too, just to make sure that that's kind of I'm sending you in the right direction. Uh, Because there is stuff you can do, but you've got to really start getting on the ball now. So I need to get you the information quickly. Um, And let me make sure that that may be what it is. And then going forward, you know, the steps you can take to kind of help it along the spring and summer. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. But, But I can almost, with most certainty, uh, I mean, there's, you know, exceptions to every pattern and every rule, but I, I would rule out um, freeze damage because I, I just don't think that was the case unless it was a new lawn, you know, and it, and it got a little stressed and the root system just hadn't become as strong and grown as much as it needed to. But uh, I don't think that's the case. So yeah, we'll get your email address and I'll follow up with you and let you know for sure. Thank you for the call and very observant. I like that you've got some some guys taking a look at it too and trying to help you out and point you in the right direction. Um, speaking of rain and all of the moisture and all of that kind of thing, um, I have noticed a lot of lichens on the trees, on tree trunks, on tree limbs. Um, and you notice on a rainy day, they look a little more vibrant. They have more of that aqua blue, silvery color rather than just that washed out gray look on the trees. And I found a fantastic post on Facebook from Southern Piedmont Natural History. They did a really, really good post, and I want to take time to read that to you because when folks call and say, I've got this weird, you know, my bark is doing something really weird on my tree. It's got this bluish, grayish, silvery-looking, flaky stuff, and I think it's killing my tree. And that's not the case. That's not the case at all. There's a totally different relationship between the tree and the lichens, and, and this will kind of help you figure out why. Um, well, first of all, the post is just talking about how the color changes a little bit more on a rainy day, it appears a little bit uh, a little bit different, right? So the right side of the tree, the more grayish, grayish green kind of color, um, that is fungi living in the top layer of the lichen. And then on a rainy day, when it's a little more vibrant, becomes a little more translucent, like kind of see-through, 
uh, the photosynthetic green algae becomes a little more visible, and that's why you see that that green, that aqua blue color kind of uh, pop. So this gets a little technical, but light reflecting off of chlorophyll pigments within the photosynthetic algae cause the lichen to have a more vibrant green appearance when it's wet. And the algae do the photosynthesis and become uh, dormant once again when the lichen dries out, right? And it goes back to that grayish silver color. But what's a lichen? So, yeah, it's a group of organisms living together. It's got to have the green algae or blue-green algae living within a matrix of different uh, fungi, this, this post says. And that can include sac fungi or yeasts. And in general, each organism benefits from that relationship. They're kind of symbiotic in that in that way. And the thread-like portions of the fungus keep the algae from drying out and provide it with minerals while the algae photosynthesize and provide energy sugars to the fungi. So they're harmless to the trees, often found on sunny branches. That's why you see them on more of the top sides of the limbs because they're taking advantage of being able to get that sunshine to photosynthesize. You're not going to see them on the bottom parts of the branch. If you have lichens growing on the tree, you don't have to scrape them off. It's a widespread gardening myth that lichens kill trees. So what you'll see is they're on the top portions of the branches, right, taking advantage of the sunshine. But a tree that's in decline has already lost its leaves, is already showing bare limbs, so that just leaves it wide open. There's no leaf canopy, right? So that just leaves it wide open for the lichens to be on those branches. So really what hap- what started happening was the decline of the tree first, and it defoliating, and then the lichens kind of moved in and said, well, hey, this is a bright, sunny spot, like almost like a beach. You know, we don't have any competition. We don't have any shade from any leaves. So that's when they start to appear on the trunks and on the limbs. And you're thinking that was the cause of the, you know, slow decline of your tree, but not really. They're just being advantageous and taking advantage of um, no leaves, really. And I've seen cherry trees. I've seen thin-barked trees uh, that have lichens, and sometimes they do. They they look like they're on the decline, but the lichens are just an afterthought of that. They're not stealing any energy or any sugars or anything from the tree. So really interesting when you see that. And Walter Reeves recently had a great, great post about mushrooms, different mushrooms that are on your trees, whether it's the shelf type or anything like that, um, kind of what that may indicate. You know, if you have them at the base of the tree, that's no good. You definitely don't want mushrooms on the base of the tree. But in and around the landscape and things like that, some of them are just fun to look at. So check out Walter's page as well. He's still very active in keeping that up. It's almost like an online encyclopedia for any question you've ever had. I thought about doing a website when I started the show, and I thought, you know, there's no need to reinvent the wheel when he has the wheel perfected. He has written about almost everything you can come across in gardening in the state of Georgia, and it's all right there to live forever on WalterReeves.com. And Reeves is R-E-E-V-E-S, WalterReeves.com. You can uh, look up in the search bar, just one or two words. Keep the search very easy. One or two words to find the article and the topic that you're interested in. And uh, I took over the newsletter the WSB Radio puts out every other Friday. And Walter still contributes to that and comes up with a great thoughtful topic, things that he's still being questioned about, things that uh, people are asking that are seasonal 
and timely he contributes to that newsletter as well and you can find a lot more about that on wsbradio.com sign up for the newsletter it's free i check in with you kind of let you know what's going on around town as well so when we come back i will i'm going to tell you all of the fun things that you can get out and about and do this weekend if you have some time today and tomorrow although you may want to go ahead and get some things done today because there's no rain in the forecast all of the garden opportunities classes events festivals are starting to kick up and i love that so we'll tell you more about that plus the top three things to do in the land this weekend. You are right here. You're parked on 95.5 WSB listening to Green and Growing. We'll be back. Stay tuned. I have a little too much fun with Facebook too while I'm on the show Um, and I'm doing all of it at one time. I'm not doing my personal Facebook page. I'm doing the Green and Growing Facebook page, which has been a little quiet this week. This week was just a little busy, but now I'm on fire posting all this stuff and I'm hearing from Vicky and I'm hearing from Sandy and Tim and Haresh and I'm so glad that everyone is uh, really excited that I have Dr. Alan Armitage coming up. He is a rock star in the garden world. He's going to be joining me calling in at 7 o'clock. And I've just got a lot of questions, garden basic questions, what he's been up to because he has seen more plants and flowers in the industry um, and writes for Greenhouse Grower magazine as well, just with his observations, just so entertaining. And I was really, really pleased to meet him over a year ago uh, with Chick-fil-A's Dan Cathy. He is who introduced us and so glad that he did. And I went to the UGA trial gardens with him and we walked around. So I'm going to repost some of those videos. They live on the Facebook page if you want to look uh, under videos, some of the videos that I took of Dr. A walking around the UGA trial gardens um, last summer. So the plants that you'll see in those videos aren't timely to right now, but really cool stuff that the University of Georgia in Athens gets to try from all over the world. And these breeders and these growers are like, okay, if it can survive the heat and the humidity and all these great openings for disease and fungus and things in the southeast if the plants are hardy enough to survive that then by golly we can market them and sell them to the rest of uh, north america i suppose so that's really entertaining if you just can't get enough of dr a i've got videos there and uh, he is coming up to join us at seven o'clock so the weather update brought to you by finley roofing from channel 2 action news chief meteorologist brad nitz partly cloudy today a high of 81 and then scattered showers and storms move in tomorrow with a high of 76. Green, green and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. And oh yeah, on Facebook before the show's over, I'm going to post the hash brown casserole recipe. So maybe you have some of the ingredients you can put it together this morning, I hope. Uh, number one, if you see aphids clustering on tender new growth of a lot of your plants. They're those little pear-shaped, pinhead-sized come in a variety of colors. So I know that's hard for you to be like, well, Ashley, I mean, I've got brown ones. I've got black. I've got white. It's it's going to be tough to tell, but aphids, they cluster on the plant. You probably just blast them off with a hard stream of water from the garden hose and they'll go away. It needs to be a hard stream, though, nothing from a spray bottle. And if they just keep on coming back, a lot of you have complained that you have cut flower gardens and just can't get rid of them. Neem oil and things like that, if you want to be organic in the garden, uh, neem oil can smother them out, too. You just have to be sure you apply that at the right time in their life cycle. Number two, fertilized perennials that are starting to pop up. you got peonies. Right now, they're looking great. Dianthus, a stilby, some other things. And these don't necessarily need to be fertilized just yet, but you're starting to see canna lilies and elephant ears and amaryllis start to emerge now that the weather is warmer. And a lot of your palm trees, a lot of you are fretting that the palm trees and the fronds are brown and they're looking pretty rough. I think a lot of them are going to come back too. So I would leave everything right now. The growth is going to be slow, just like we had Tony call about the gardenia uh, with freeze damage, the growth is going to be slow to to come on and to catch up. But don't give up on a lot of these plants, especially the tropicals too. You'll be able to tell by now if they made it through that freeze or not. 
Uh, and number three, plant vegetables in the garden. It is tax time. That's what we say because Easter moves on the calendar. So we don't want to say it's safe to plant outside after Easter because it was early this year. So we could still have a freeze after that. But bygone by April 15th, most of the time we have we have been caught uh, with our backs turned, though. April 22nd recently uh, in the last few years was the last freeze. Gosh, I don't see that coming, though. So get the vegetables out in the garden. You're thinking eggplant. You're thinking squash and zucchini, tomatoes, and all that fun kind of stuff. 404-872-0750. You can call. You can go ahead and get your question lined up and ready for me. But Dr. A takes the stage. Dr. Alan Armitage takes the stage. And one of these days, we're going to be in studio together. And I would love for you to call him when that happens, maybe late summer, early fall, uh, with all of the questions, unique plants that you've seen. I bet you, if you've done some research and seen some really unique plants, he has seen them and already knows about them as they debut into the industry. Uh, Floriculture is just so much fun. So many things to plant in the garden. He really has you think outside the box. What's the harm in trying a new plant, something fun, a different hybrid, a different variety? Go with it. And also, I know he's a big fan of some that don't flower. So he'll have suggestions for you there, how to still get color in the garden. When I come back, visiting with Dr. Alan Armitage from the University of Georgia, next on 95.5 WSB. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.